Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Have you ever been lost? You may have taken a wrong turn and got off trail and soon night falls and you don't have any light to help guide you. Let's face it, on any given day, we encounter more darkness than we do truth. But God is whispering to us all the time, telling us which way to go, but sometimes the, the outside or the internal voices, they fill our heads. But God does more than just whisper to us. He gives us light. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God loves us so much, he provides a way. His word, only his word is our lamplight. Won't you follow? I don't know what your childhood was like, but when I was growing up as a kid, my family faced all kinds of challenges and setbacks, hurdles, delays. In fact, I remember being 10 years old playing in my front yard when my dad came home early from work. He never did that. I thought he was just sick. He'd go back the next day. My dad was injured. He would never go back to work again. He was disabled from the time I was 10. My mom drove school bus part-time, so they weren't bringing in a lot of money. And little did we know on that day when my father first came home that our future journey as a family would be just defined by hospital visits, medical bills, endless surgeries, and the ongoing question of how in the world we're going to make it the next day. It was that bad. My mom, of course, she was the one to hold everything together because my dad was so injured he really couldn't do much, couldn't hardly operate even on his own, yet alone to help us. And so she needed to lead the way. And so when it came to wondering how we're going to make it through tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, she would say, well, here's how. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It was like her life verse. It became one of mine. Two simple verses, really, containing five key words that pack quite a punch. The key words we're going to focus on, trust. What does that mean? Lean. We're not to do it. What is it? Understanding. Acknowledge and direct. Why do I underline those five key words and highlight them as it relates to this passage? Well, because I think it has something to do with our, our series title, Lamplight. It's based on Psalm 139, 105 that says, Your word is a lamp to my feet or for my feet and a light to my path. Your word are these two lights. First of all, a lamp. It provides just enough light for you to take your next step safely. So when we're encountering something, we read God's word to guide us, and it helps us to take that next 
step. And as we take that next step of obedience and what God is telling us, we then walk into the beauty and power of that light that shines a spotlight on the path ahead. So basically, if we rely upon God's word to teach us, it would illuminate our next step and provide the light needed for us to embrace that future path. And this is the case with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Will you say these words with me together? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, as you were saying those words, I gotta be honest, up here as I was listening to you, I really don't know the struggles you're dealing with right now. I don't know the struggles that you might deal with tomorrow. I don't know the level of stress in your life right now. And I don't know what questions are filling your mind. I do know this, that the help you need for tomorrow and the day after that is found by embracing the first word found in Proverbs chapter three, verse five, the word trust. Trust, to rest the full weight upon. Not a partial weight, your full weight. And so trust is kind of like, you know, you had a hard day at work. You can hardly wait to get home, and so you're driving from work all the way home, and you're facing all that traffic. That doesn't add to anything, you know, positive, and so you're just trying to get there. And you finally, you're, you're tired, you're exhausted, you finally drive in the driveway, you park your car in the garage, you close the garage door, and then what do you do? You walk inside, try to patiently and lovingly maybe kiss your spouse, say hi to your kids, and then you make a beeline for your bedroom, and it's then you fall face first into that bed. You ever been there? And you just go, ah. Oh. You knew that bed would support you, is why you put your full weight on it. Our walk with God is like that, to place the full weight upon him, nothing else but him. And this requires a reliance upon scripture and also our faithful obedience to scripture. But what I keep seeing in my life, in the lives of many American Christians as well, is it's really hard to trust God like that when you treat life like it's a waffle, I don't know how many people have heard of the book, Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. Heard of that book before? And I don't know if you've read it or not. It, it maybe provides some helpful insights for you in terms of your dating life or marriage, but that's not really the focus of what I'm talking about today. I think the struggle that many Christians have in truly trusting in the Lord is because they treat life like it's a waffle. Now, I was a kid growing up. We hardly ever went to the restaurant, right? It was just a rare thing. But when we went for breakfast and I ordered a waffle, I always did something that maybe you can relate with. It would arrive right in front of me. And because I had all those interesting little compartments, right, I would take my syrup and fill every single little compartment all the way to the top, but not so that it would run over, right? I would fill every compartment so it was full, but not too full. Come on now, confess. How many people have done this as well? Come on now. Yes, you're with me. Thank you very much, right? We've all been there. And here's the application. Whatever compartments we allow into our lives, and we choose these compartments, we tend to fill them up to the top. We do. And we fill each compartment fully and carefully because, you know what, we don't want to make a mess in our lives. 
We're just more than willing to add a whole lot of stress to our lives. So we fill them all up to the top. And this takes us to the next thing I did before eating my waffle. After I filled every single compartment to the top, I cut my waffle into four different sections. How many people did that as well? Okay, all three of you. So you're not as sick as me. But that's what I did, right? And so I'd cut them up into these sections. And if we stop to think about it, many of us do the same thing with our lives. We have our public life, activities at work, activities with the kids, activities in our community. And then we have our private life, watching our favorite show, cheering our favorite football team, spending time at home. And then we have our inner life, how we spend our quietest moments, what we think, how we feel. And then we have our hidden life, our deepest emotions, the deepest part of us, which we're not always fully aware. Do you have these compartments in your life as well? Be honest with yourself. For example, is there a different way you treat people in your public life compared to your private life? And are there different thoughts you have in your hidden life compared to the thoughts you actually voice out loud in public? I'm thinking the answer might be yes. And given this, there might also be a question that kind of milling around in your mind right now that says basically this. So Phil, how can I fully then trust in the Lord when my life is so full, my life is segmented, and when my life is moving in these different directions? Well, at best, it's really hard to do. And for most, it's impossible to do. You see, the more we grow in our relationship with the Lord, the more we learn that these sections of our lives, which really shouldn't be sections, but they're all important to him. They are. So the more that we trust him for our next step and the step after that and the step after that, the more aligned he will help these sections to become. So rather than feeling segmented and disoriented, our life will become more and more like spaghetti. Spaghetti. When you take a close look at spaghetti, right, it's hard to tell where one strand begins and the other ends. And while each strand is separate, they all seem to hold together nicely and tightly. The same can be true in your life as well. You see, when it comes to Jesus, the Bible says he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul was talking about the earth and the universe, but he's also talking about the details of your life. And as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the more we seek Jesus with our next step, the more we really want his kingdom to come and be part here on this earth, which means his will, the more we're going to trust him with all our heart. So what things are you doing to seek God? What things are you pursuing to fully trust him? To fully trust him? Because when you fully trust him, it will help you to lean not on your own understanding. Now, many people define lean this way, to rest upon something for partial support. For partial support. So practically speaking, we do this uh, you know, on many occasions. For example, people who are injured, for example, they'll lean on their crutches for partial support. Or others will lean on their walker, you know, and, and when they're doing that, a person doesn't place their full weight upon these things because that would require trust. That's why they only place their weight on them partially. 
And as they do, they know it's going to take more time to get to where they're going. But that's okay with them because doing so helps them to walk a little further each day without actually hurting themselves. So what could be wrong with that kind of leaning? So for many, leaning equals time because it takes longer plus partial support. And even if this is what the Bible means when it comes to leaning, the Bible tells us not to do it. The Bible tells us not to lean on our own understanding even partially. Why? Well, because there's another way to think about leaning, I think, that more aptly fits the text. When I married Carol, there were things that I knew and there were things that I didn't know that would be changing you know, in my life. And for example, one thing that she did in high school, she, she skied competitively. And so she wanted me to downhill ski as well. The thing for me is as a kid growing up, we could hardly afford to play in the snow, yet alone ski down the snow. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't do this before, and so we're up there in Traverse City, Michigan, and it's, it's just a winter day, and she took me to like the biggest hill in Traverse City, Michigan to teach me how to ski. Now back then, they had these long wooden skis. They were sent directly from the devil. Remember those? All right? And what made them even more special was that they were tethered to your boots. So when you would ski down and maybe fall, they would fall off your feet and then whack you on this side of the head and that side of the head. It was such a great way to do this, right? And so she, she gives me some tips, you know, and I, and I go down. I, I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a ski coat, didn't have, you know, ski pants. I was wearing jeans. And so, you know, I went down about 50 feet later. I mean, just crashed to the ground. She says, well, everybody does that, right? You know, don't get discouraged. And, and so I, you know, I did it again and again and again. And I just kept falling and falling and falling. It's really hard to guide these long wooden skis. The greatest moment of humility for me was when I went down the hill and I approached this other little hill. That if you're like any good at all, it's kind of a fun little hill because you would kind of launch in the air and then land and then ski down the rest. Well, I hit that hill and I launched. <laughs> Remember the agony of defeat uh, commercial? Remember that? Face plant, right? There in the snow. And in my moment of humility, I looked up. And no lie, there's a ski school of like, you know, 10 five-year-olds using me to jump over. <laughs> was angry. I didn't want to do it again. My, my, my legs were freezing cold. Well, we got home and I did some more reading because I knew this was so important to Carol to downhill ski. And I read about these new shaped skis. You know, they're kind of indented in the middle. And so you don't have to work so hard, basically. And this is what most people are skiing today. And, and so I went out and, you know, in all faith, I just bought some this was important. And so we went to the biggest hill in Grand Rapids, and within an hour or so, I was skiing from the highest point all the way down without falling. Because when it comes to those skis, the way you lean is the way you go. And the same holds true when you like water ski, right? The way you lean is the way you go. Uh, if you're cycling, I love to cycle, we were just out yesterday. You slightly lean to the right, well then you're, you're gonna go to the right. And the same holds true when you lean on your own understanding whenever you're facing a problem. You're gonna veer in the direction of your flawed human thinking. That means you're gonna go to the left or you're gonna go to the right, but you're not necessarily gonna go down the path God holds for you because the way you lean is the way you go. And many of us here have experienced the painful results of our leaning. 
And so in light of this, I gotta ask, if, if I'm already fully trusting in God, why in the world would I lean on anything else? I mean, do I really want more of me and less of him? Do I really want more human fallacy rather than Christ's all-wise supremacy in my life? Friends, I don't know what you're facing, but I, I do know this, God has you. No matter the situation, trust in him fully. Because if you do, even if your way seems confusing right now and your journey seems hard, you will know that even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. Why? Because there is no problem too big God cannot solve it. There is no mountain too tall God cannot move it. There is no storm too dark God cannot calm it. And there is no sorrow so deep he cannot soothe it. God has you, so stop leaning on yourself. And because God has you and has provided his word to you, he is lighting his lamp light for you. And what we see in scripture is his light is first found in the power of his word. We wanna go everywhere else, no, we need to go to scripture. When we're you know, waking up in the morning, when we're living our life, we need to go to scripture to guide us. That's where his light is first found. We also see in scripture that it can secondly be found to the godly friends, and I mean godly, right? Godly friends and family he has given you. See, God made us to live in community. And so when you're facing that problem, when you're facing that mountain, you can lean on them for advice and for comfort because God has first of all put them in your life and if they're following his lamplight, well, there's a lot you might be able to learn from them. The Old Testament puts it this way. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. The New Testament puts it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, not just some, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So if we're following his lamplight, he is going to teach us and then when we're living in community, we can share what we've learned with others. Yes, God has placed these wonderful, godly family and friends in your life that you can lean on in times of trouble. But here's one person you're never to lean on, according to scripture, and who is that? You, me. We're not to lean on our own understanding. Understanding means this, the mental process by which you analyze a problem. And so when I'm facing something, it just makes sense that I'm just gonna do this. Why should I consult anyone? Why should I open the Bible? I'm just going to do what I want to do. Here's the thing though, when we analyze the problem in our own way, and we move in our own way, you know what the most common conclusion we come to? Well, it's the same one Adam locked in on after he acted upon his own faulty understanding. I mean, right after God, right, comes to him and asks him why he fell into the problem of sin, Adam basically said, you know what, God, it is a mess. But here's the thing, it's not my fault. It's her fault. And by the way, God, this is also your fault because I didn't ask you for her. Not my fault. No, your fault. Armed with our own faulty understanding, our most common excuse is to blame anyone else but ourselves for the step to the left that we took on our own or the step to the right that we took on our own. 
That's why the text is clear. You're not to lean on yourself. After all, if you're fully trusting in God, there's no self-leaning required. But the truth, if we're honest, is that many Christians go through life almost leaning entirely on their own understanding. But God tells us this. No, 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 you shouldn't do it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So given this reality, friends, doesn't it make much more sense to really trust God's word first and foremost in our lives and then secondly, you know, maybe lean on the friends and family he has put around us if they're following his lamplight in their lives. Because if you do so, you live out the next portion of the text which says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now when we think of the word acknowledge, we think, well, I just acknowledge that God's there. I acknowledge that he exists. It's like this casual kind of flippant thing. To acknowledge in the Hebrew means to know deeply and intimately. Deeply and intimately. So it comes with personal experience and time. Let me give you some examples here. Let me describe someone to you that you may have heard of before because they were once famous. And before I explain this person to you, you should also know that this very famous person had me as a guest in their own home. They actually invited me over and I had breakfast with them in their mansion. Now, this person was a country music star, had six number one singles, had 25 top 10 singles. They hosted their own primetime television show on TV. They played a variety of different instruments. They won six awards from the Academy of Country Music, won four awards from the Country Music Association, and two Grammy Awards as well. Pretty accomplished person. Who, who is it? Well, Barbara Mandrell. Barbara Mandrell. Now, the morning I was invited over to her house, I remember knocking on the door and waiting, and her husband actually answered, and we walked inside. But she's such a down-to-earth person. I mean, really? I mean, she just called us into the next room. She wasn't ready for us. She was actually still putting on her makeup. And so we stood there, and she talked to us, putting on her makeup. She was one of the most kind, authentic people I've ever met. Also very inquisitive. She really cared about you, wanting to know more about you. And even though I spent time with her that day in her own home, had breakfast, kind of a long conversation, I gotta say, I don't know her. I don't know her. In fact, I think it's highly unlikely she would remember me at all. So in one sense, you might say, well, I know Barbara Mandrell because I was with her. And in another sense, you say, I really don't know her. Because it takes more than just a few encounters with someone to really know a person. And the same holds true for our relationship with Jesus. I think many Christians kind of just stop their relationship after they receive their salvation and they kind of, you know, attend church, whatever, do some things, but they're not really like pursuing him, to know him deeply. You see, when the Bible uses the word acknowledge, it's talking about a deeper kind of knowing. For example, Carol and I, we've been married 30 years now. And since we've been married 30 years, we've gone through valleys together, mountaintops together, and we know each other pretty well. In fact, Carol knows me so well, knows the sound of my voice so well, that I have witnesses to this, so don't doubt what I'm saying, right? That even when she is sleeping, 
If I ask a question, she'll answer it and then immediately start sleeping again. I know that because of the sound of her sleeping. She only snores on Fridays, you see. But, I mean, this has happened over and over again, and my kids have been there going like, what in the world was that? We know each other pretty well. And yet our acknowledgement of the Lord needs to go even deeper than this. So think about the passage this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways know God intimately, deeply, and personally. Do you know him like that? Are you pursuing that kind of relationship with him? Because it's gonna require more than a monthly visit to church or attending occasionally online. It's gonna require knowing more than just the Bible exists. It means only to, to absorb it, soak in the words of scripture. It's gonna require living in community because we're designed to live that way. Have you joined a small group? Friends, only God's word is our lamplight. And what happens then when we absorb it and submit to him? Well, the Bible says he will direct your paths. Direct means to make straight, to make straight. That's why some versions of the Bible say, says that he will make your paths straight. How? Well, by way of his lamp, by way of his light, by way of his word. So think about the road of your life this way. Imagine you're walking a journey when suddenly you approach a path that seems pretty difficult. It winds through the mountains and then goes down a deep, dark valley. This path that you're walking, it's filled with potholes, switchbacks, detours, and delays. And as you journey onward, you discover that portions of the path are washed out and have even fallen into the canyon below. And as you try to walk even further, you suddenly stop dead in your tracks because a large boulder is blocking your way. This is the path of your life. Sometimes it appears to be going nowhere, and sometimes it seems to be taking you somewhere you've never been. And yet through it all, God keeps speaking to you. He keeps saying, trust me fully. Don't lean on yourself because where you lean is where you go. Instead, take time to know me deeply through and through. And I will lead you through anything. I will lead you through everything. After all, friends, when the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing because I have him. Who else do I need? And when I put the full weight of my life and my situation on him, I can more easily hear him tell me, oh, Phil, do not fear for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He's saying the same words to you, friends. See, bottom line, trusting God means resting in him fully and knowing him deeply. Trusting God means resting in him fully and knowing him deeply. As we're sitting here right now, Michael and John Chabo are in the Middle East. John just arrived uh, after Michael just a few days ago. But nine years ago, they were living in Aleppo, Syria, the place that they called home. 
The war broke out, of course. Bombs were destroying their city. And their parents knew it was time for Michael and John to embark on a new journey. A journey requiring a whole lot of trust. And so they trusted in the Lord as he led them by his lamplight, which eventually led them to Lebanon, a place where they found refuge. And you and I, we think of Lebanon not as a place of refuge. We think of it as a place we don't want to go. But it was a place where they found safety. They found community. They found friendship. They found a new sense of purpose. They thought they had found home. And yet due to their standing as citizens, they couldn't remain there. They had to leave. And so they trusted the Lord yet again as he opened another door for them to come here to America in order to live for a period of time in a place called Milwaukee. And the path there was beautiful, it was bountiful, it was powerful. And still, even so God used them tremendously, their hearts were breaking. Their hearts were crying out to see their family, their parents once again. And then God did something else. God called them to trust him even more by leaving what they have known to come here to Cincinnati. And as they kept following and trusting the Lord by the way of his lamp, by way of his light, they kept trusting him for their next step. And they experienced the beauty, and we have as well, of, of Michael and John being here and leading. We've been blessed by them, they by us. And even so, they've been longing, trusting the Lord for the green pastures they have long been waiting for to be reunited with her parents again. Well, as I said, Michael got there first, and so John just arrived. He just sent me a few pictures just before the service. But here's just a short video of Michael being reunited with his parents. Take a look. Where is God leading you? Where does he desire to lead you? Right now in the middle of your life, are you taking that next step going, I'm leaning on my understanding. This makes sense to me. This is where I'm going. Are you trusting him? What does it look like for you to trust the Lord with all your heart? to place the full weight of your life upon him and not to lean on your understanding because where you lean is where you go. And to pursue a deep, intimate relationship with him so you can make your path straight. 
Where does God want to lead you? Remember, God guides us by way of his lamp. He leads us by way of his light, by way of his word. So whatever you're facing right now, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Let's pray. Dear Father, you are working in each one of our lives in different ways. There are some here right now that are experiencing a sweet season in their life. Their journey seems easy. It seems bountiful and beautiful. And in those times, we can take our eyes off of you. Take our walk and our journey for granted. Lord, help us not to do that. Help us to constantly, every single day, look to your word to lead us and to guide us. There are others who are so confused right now, so frustrated, they don't know what to do. They don't know what next step is. I mean, what the right one is, and so they're trying. And every single time they try to take a step, it seems to be making situations worse. Remind them, Lord, that you are there. You love them. You go before them. You're calling them, come, follow me. So direct us, Lord. Help us to trust you more. Help us, Lord, to walk by way of your land, by way of your light, by way of your word. That you would take us into the pastures you have for us. This is our prayer, Lord. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.